0: Hello and welcome to podcast. I'm Peter Finn, Executive Director at IABC, or the International Association of Business Communicators. And for this episode, I spoke with Linda Rutherford. Linda is the Chief Administration and Communications Officer for Southwest Airlines, where she provides executive leadership for communication outreach, culture and engagement, diversity, equity, and inclusion, internal audit, people, talent, in leadership development, total rewards, technology, and the Southwest Airlines University. So a big job. Linda's career began in journalism, first working for Newsweek Magazine in New York, and then the Dallas Times Herald. She made the pivot to Southwest in 1992 as a PR coordinator and has since worked her way to the top. Linda has been honored for her leadership excellence and achievements in communications and civic involvement including recognition such as a 2002 Top Women in Business from the National Women's Conference, a 2021 Distinguished Alumni from the Texas Tech Alumni Association, and an inductee into PR News Public Relations Hall of Fame, among many other accolades. I spoke with Linda about her career path, observations on the evolving communications landscape, Southwest's intentional DEI efforts and initiatives, their approach to ESG, and the -the on-the-ground moments lesson learned from the 2022 holiday delays and more so a really fascinating discussion it was just so happy that linda was able to carve out some time and speak with me and i think you'll really enjoy the interview so linda thanks so much for speaking with me today and you know usually we kick things off and just you know folks background but i i saw my notes that you joined southwest as a pr coordinator in 1992 and have since risen to the role of of Chief Administration and Communications Officer. So I'd love to know what that journey looks like. And, you know, you you don't oftentimes see folks with that kind of tenure. So I'd love to know, you know, a little bit about uh, your 31 years, you said?
1: Yes, yes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate us getting some time to chat. The path has been an interesting one, for sure. I went to college to study journalism with the intent of being a newspaper or magazine writer. So journalism is my academic training and the early part of my background. I, When I left college, I worked for Newsweek magazine. I also worked for several community newspapers. And then I finished my journalism career at the Dallas Times Herald, which was at the time the other daily newspaper here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And you know, it was something that I knew I wanted to do since I was 12. Fell in love with a TV show back in the day called Lou Grant and just knew I wanted to be one of those, you know, adventurous newspaper reporters. But in December of 1991, the Times Herald was purchased by the Crosstown rival newspaper and shut down. And so it was one of those sort of pivot moments, you know, early, very early on in my career that did I want to continue to be a journalist or did I want to do something different? I had been covering the airlines. So American Delta Continental back in the day and Southwest Airlines for the Herald. And Southwest was kind enough to call and, and ask if I wanted to come interview for a public relations coordinator position. And, you know, I was like so excited. I said yes, and then immediately hung up and had to look up what that meant. And, you know, very quickly understood, you know, it's it's about storytelling. It's about understanding the urgency of a reporter's needs. And so was fortunate enough to join in June of 1992. And it has been an adventure for the last 31 years. I'd like to say i'm the accidental executive i had no aspirations 31 years ago to lead the functions that i do today which in addition to communication include culture and engagement diversity equity and inclusion all of our people learning and development functions i have our community outreach and philanthropy and then uh, technology and internal audit <laughs> so you know it's a it's a very wide job but i like to say that we as a collective group of enterprise departments keep the airline running every day and allow the operation to go out there and shine and allow our employees to go out there and offer, you know, great customer service that keeps people coming back.
0: And I guess you know, from a 30,000 foot view, how have you watched the, the landscape change and, and evolve, particularly in the, in the airline industry during your time with Southwest?
1: Well, I'll date myself here, but, you know, I went to college with a typewriter. uh, (laughs) And so technology has certainly been a disruptor in the communications profession. It has certainly been a disruptor in the airline industry. You know, it used to be that communication to a customer was a one-to-one affair. And now with digital social media, you can have a conversation with thousands of people at once. With the advent of digital platforms, Many companies have become their own media outlet, right? They can create and publish content, which has been huge in terms of storytelling and brand building efforts. So the airline business is brutally competitive. In times of emergency, we certainly do come together as a fraternity. But other than that, we are fiercely competing for customers. And so it is brand for brand people who are you know, trying to ensure that there is a strong connection to the customer—that you go where the customers are, and that you are a relevant product for the way people want to travel today.
0: And do you think that the role of, kind of the communications officer or whoever is leading the comms has that position has been elevated over the last few years? You know, I've seen some research that kind of supports that, but I was just curious what your perspective is.
1: Yeah, on that. you know, in the in the CCO circles, we tend to talk about how we find ourselves as either the chief integrator where that person kind of working across the organization to make sure that everybody knows what everybody else is doing. I've heard it referred to as the keeper of the corporate soul. So mm-hmm. definitely helping and leaning in here lately as, you know, social issues have taken center stage as there has become a more polarized political ideological environment, you know, the CCO often finds themselves in the role of mediating a lot of those conversations to try and arrive at the right thing to do for the organization. So the CCO role has definitely broadened in terms of not only the scope, it's not just traditional, you know, tell a story, issue a communication and wait and see what comes back. It's been a lot of two-way communication and it's been a lot of one-to-many, not just broadcast, but, you know, the ability to sort of influence different audiences and stakeholders. And it's been a way for, honestly, communication has become a way that we can continue to tell the brand story. You know, it used to be that that was solely a marketing responsibility, but communications has really come alongside and been a great partner to marketing to sort of figure out the places where we can play from a content standpoint and be, you know, and be helpful to the overall opportunity to, you know, we call it putting butts in seats. So obviously we're interested in, you know, selling airline tickets, but we come along for kind of the rest of the story.
0: Yeah. And I was curious, you just thinking about your journey at Southwest, but uh, you know, for folks that are just starting out or, you know, they want to start a career in communications and PR, any advice for those folks, you know, as they're entering their, maybe their first or second job.
1: Yeah. I have the opportunity to chat with students quite a bit who are doing just career exploration. And I always say in this role, you never quite know what your day-to-day is going to look like. You can plan, but th- you know things could change. There could be a crisis. There could be a sudden viral opportunity that you want to seize upon. And so flexibility, I think, is important in this role. And intellectual curiosity about a lot of different things, I think, is very important. Being able to write across a number of different mediums. So having you know a wide range of storytelling capability, I think, is important. Business acumen. Certainly, you need to know how your business or your organization makes money. You need to know what its strengths are from a a market leadership standpoint. You need to be mindful and realistic about what the opportunities or gaps are and then help illuminate those gaps to the rest of the organization. So there's a huge opportunity in the communications field to do that. But I would just say, you know, stay curious when you see a need, fill a need, because you just never know. I mean, a, a lot of what we do is as much art as it is science. And it's just sort of being willing to do some intelligent risk taking and offer up new ideas. I mean, if I, you know, if we were still doing communications the old way, 35 years ago, I would be on a typewriter. Or I would still be operating with my Blackberry. And so, you know, we've just, this is a profession in which we just have to stay nimble and change with the, you know, with the technology and the expectations that are coming into our profession.
0: So, and I wanted to follow up on something you said earlier about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but, you know, because I know Southwest is, you know, receives a lot of accolades for being a great place to work and uh, particularly for diversity efforts. So could you speak a little bit about that and you know what your role looks like within that and the strategy that you've developed around that for you know especially around employee engagement and, and diversity efforts?
1: Yeah, we our i efforts uh, started a number of years ago, so 14, 15 years ago, and it was about creating a culture of caring and that we wanted to make sure first and foremost that our employees understood that we embrace diversity that we recognize that everyone brings their own experiences and perspectives and backgrounds you know into the place of work and that we think that each of those unique perspectives backgrounds experiences can have a big impact on our company and our brand and how we show up culturally we ask you to bring your authentic self to work We want to celebrate what makes you unique. We have been working in particular around our neurodivergent hiring practices so that we can make sure that those folks feel good about considering a career at Southwest, as an example, and that not only they have a good experience in the sourcing and interviewing, but obviously if they choose to come to work here, that we create that kind of environment in which they can be successful. Several years ago, we made some specific commitments in our de space, and it's around diversifying our senior leadership team. When you look at Southwest Airlines' overall demographic, we really mirror the U.S. population, And we do a good job and look diverse until you start to get into some of the senior management ranks. And then we recognize there's work to do there to build more diverse talent pipelines so that we are set up to sort of welcome more diversity, particularly at senior leadership. We also have evolved some of our hiring and development practices so that we're much more intentional, for instance. If we look back several years, we might have shoulder tapped people for open roles. We're now committed that when any leadership role, VP or below, comes open, we will post that role. We'll make it broadly available. We will not proceed with interviewing until we have a diverse slate of candidates. And then we now also employ diverse interview panels to make sure that we've got a broad set of voices, both in the first, second, and, you know, if necessary, third round of interviews. But it is. You know, something it, it's a journey. We're certainly not perfect, but I think we've been very proud of what the DEI team has done to create awareness and change inside the organization, as well as kind of how we show up in the communities that we serve. As an example, we do invest a lot in diverse partnerships in the cities and states that we serve. And so, again, just furthering that commitment of wanting to be a place. We know we fly the general public. And we welcome people from all walks of life on board our airplanes and into our places of work.
0: Yeah. And have you seen, you know, because you've done all this work, I mean, do you, do you see some of the, uh, you know, what, what are some of the outcomes that you've seen as a, as a company, as a brand in creating this culture of caring? I'm sure you're always keeping a pulse on you know, employee engagement. And I mean, have you seen a lot of real, I'm sure a lot of, positives uh, because of these initiatives?
1: Yeah, we've seen the pipeline grow for our entry-level leadership positions from a diverse standpoint, both race and gender diversity. We have been able to improve upon our race and gender diverse metrics mm-hmm. um, as we you know, talk about the growth of senior leadership. We, in the last four years, have added African-American male a Hispanic female Hispanic male to our board of directors oh. and so intentional focus there in both race and gender diversity from the talent that we consider bringing onto our board of directors so we we're seeing improvements you know it takes time and I think the most important thing that we're learning about deI now is that it has to become a way of life. It's not a program it's not something you bolt on to your organization and it's certainly not something that is can be the flavor of the month right It's important now but it won't be important later. So we are very much tuned into, Avoiding those conversations around DEI fatigue, yeah, and everybody's saying, "Well, all right, all right, enough already, you know, en- enough already. We've done the DEI thing." It's like, no, no, no. This is who we are. This is what we stand for, and so we definitely have to have a long, you know, long view.
0: Yeah, that is a core value of the
1: of the correct organization. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, you know, and uh, you know, a hot topic is ESG, and I know certainly communicators and folks in communications have had to address some of that. And I know there's a, a learning curve for some, and, and I, I know it's also been, uh, in some cases, a polarizing topic. But can you share how your team communicates the, the company's initiatives, like people, planet, and performance to your customers, stakeholders, and, and, and so on? And I guess just your perspective on, on ESG is you know, being in the role of CCO.
1: Sure. You know, the acronym of ESG has, you know, obviously gotten a lot of attention and focus here lately. But the concepts of environmental, social, governance in an organization, at least at Southwest Airlines, has really been ingrained for some time now. And we do call it our triple bottom line. So it's about people, performance, and planet. We have initiatives against each of those. Obviously, strong financial performance allows us to fund our future. Strong people investment allows us to have those diverse pipelines, have job security, be an employer of choice. And then obviously all of that is in service to our planet. We recognize that as an industry, we are a heavy consumer of fossil fuel. So there you have to put everything within reason commentary, but there's lots that we can do. We can look at flying profiles to conserve fuel. We can take advantage of the latest in both aircraft, airframe, and engine technologies to reduce fuel burn. You can look at recycling programs, you can look at building construction and actually building corporate facilities in a way that you, you know, reduce your carbon footprint. So we've been dedicated to all of that. And then all of that has been supported by a very strong governance commitment, both at the senior management and board of directors level. We actually published our first annual, what we call triple bottom line or ESG report since 2009. And so uh, we call it the Southwest Airlines One Report, and it sort of brings in all elements of ESG around our corporate social responsibility, our financial performance, our environmental sustainability efforts, so that all of our stakeholders can kind of see what we're doing. Communications plays a key role in that reporting effort. They also run our citizenship executive steering group, which is really just ways in which we can take all the things we're doing, whether it's around supplier diversity or sourcing environmentally sustainable products or all the research and R&D going on in what we call SAF, which is sustainable aviation fuel, and try to figure out how we can work all of that into some of our regular storytelling. And that's both inside the organization to our employees and then externally to all of our various stakeholders. So we've got web properties, southwest.com forward slash citizenship. We've got the one report. And then we have a lot of our regular storytelling efforts where we sort of dial up different aspects of E, S, and G into our regular slate of all the things we have to communicate.
0: And just looking at other communication practitioners and kind of how they've address esg i mean there are there areas of improvement or things where you're kind of saying okay well, they could probably do a little bit better in in this particular area any insight on that
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the challenges is consistency. You know, there's a number of frameworks, for example, that exist globally that you can report against in the ESG space. And so obviously, as we can get to some consistency there, that would be helpful. We know that the SEC, right, has been looking for publicly traded companies at disclosure requirements. That will create, again, some consistency in how companies are looking at it. I think that will be helpful, because up to now, ESGs kind of had a language of its own. It's been a little bit of the wild, wild west. And so I think easy to understand terms, a consistency in reporting frameworks will be extremely helpful. For us, culturally, it's about bringing it home. So in other words, what are some real life examples? Because ESG can sound pretty academic. And so we try to really talk about what a flight attendant can do onboard the aircraft to help in our recycling efforts. Or we try to talk to our customers about what they can do if they're interested in reducing their carbon footprint when they travel. And so really making it personal with real life examples, I think is extremely important to just the communications effort broadly. And and we are are moving the needle. I think it will be helpful once we get some of these frameworks in a more consistent place, and then also understand the outcome of some of these SEC disclosure requirements.
0: So in a sense, like putting it more in a I mean, obviously at the policy piece, but also showing the story, kind of a, a storytelling frame to show the benefits of, of ESG.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, you know, why would I do it, right? Why is the company doing it? Why would I want to engage either as a customer, as an employee, as a community or as a regulator? Why do I care, right? Yeah. What's happening? It can't just be ESG for ESG's sake. Yeah. And it also needs to really strike a balance between the opportunity to make a difference, Mm -hmm. Uh, for uh, the company. And then also, some companies have made ESG a competitive differentiator. And so that's just something to kind of monitor. I mean, in some ways, if you want to set yourself apart, you know, that could make sense. But also, you don't want to prevent potentially the rest of the industry from being able to join in those efforts, particularly when it's around, Conservation, reducing carbon footprint, and doing what we can to try to arrest some of the bad signs of climate change.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, what I wanted to ask you about the Southwest face a crisis around the holiday season 2022 when there were delays, I think, for several lots of passengers. What were the on the ground moments like for you and your team during that? And, I, and I'll just say, like, my, my parents were actually caught up in some of those delays. They were flying up to Chicago to, to visit me. And, you know, I think they, felt like it was actually handled quite well. But I wanted to get your insight on, you know, what was it like going through that um, the holiday season with, with those delays?
1: Yeah, the, the storm disruption and then the resulting operational crisis for Southwest Airlines was unprecedented. And certainly from a communications standpoint, the depth and the severity was something that we had never experienced before. So what started as a a sizable winter storm, we were prepared for that, right? We had pre-canceled some flights. We had done communication to our customers. We had staffed up at the airports. All of that was, I would say, fairly typical. When... The holidays came. We had a number of things that that happened to us that then morphed it from a storm response into an operational crisis. And that is our throughput at airports, specifically like Denver and Chicago, where there was extreme weather, where, you know, engine blades were freezing, where jetway hydraulic systems were not working, that we got behind. And 25% of our flight crews are based and come out of either Denver or Chicago. So when we're not able to operate with the throughput that we normally would in terms of takeoffs and landings, that will put over some period of time that will put the entire operation at risk, which it did. So we had sort of that perfect storm of a winter storm of some proficiency you know we hired 15000 plus people last year so you had some people for whom this was their first winter season to, you know, to work uh, out in the elements, to de-ice aircraft. And so we're sure that we had some challenges with proficiency just going as fast as we needed to. It was during the holidays. So there were lessons learned around leadership, collaboration, and escalation. So in other words, when we were making decisions to alter the operation, did everybody who needed to know, know, so that we were coordinated by changing, you know, an aircraft schedule, which then obviously affects a crew schedule and making sure crews were where they needed to be. And then of course you had these specific operational issues that were popping up at airports that were impacted by the storm. So there's a lot of things coming out of that, that we learned, you know, it was a terrible situation for the 2 million people that we disrupted because, you know, people missed holidays as a result of that, our employees included. And, you know, there's nothing will get at our pride factor than knowing we didn't deliver, right? We're known for our resiliency and our dependability. And when we don't deliver on that, it's kind of a gut punch. So the pride factor certainly came into play and the warrior spirit, if you will, among our employees who worked really hard to get people where they ultimately needed to go, worked really hard to reunite passengers with bags that had become waylaid, And then we had teams of people, volunteers, in fact, who learned systems very quickly, who went to work to then make things right. You know, we did a number of customer restitutions, refunded airline tickets. We paid for out-of-pocket expenses that people had unexpectedly. We offered gestures of goodwill in rapid rewards points in our frequent flyer program. We did the same thing internally to our employees by issuing points in a program that we have called SWAG to allow them, you know, to, for us to say sorry and thank you. And, you know, I'm proud of the way that Southwest reacted to make things right with the customers and to begin to do some healing with our employees. We've done a number of things differently. We've ordered more de-icing trucks. We've ordered more engine caps. We have changed our staffing model for de-icing. We've created escalation playbooks for our frontline employees back to our network operations control center so that we have better decision-making around when we need to alter the operation. From a communication standpoint, we were I think we were pretty nimble. There has been some criticism that we didn't put our CEO out quickly enough I'll own that. We were trying some things to set the operation right. The first couple didn't work. So the one thing I wanted to avoid was sort of hanging out the mission accomplished banner too soon, knowing how much disruption we had created. And I wanted to make sure we were right. And so we did do quite a bit of media response, but I waited until we had the solution that had actually righted the network and reset the airplanes and the crews before I put our CEO out on Good Morning America. But, you know, I think that all in all, our communications group was. Nimble and responsive. I think we followed our respond, recover, restore. And so we're still in sort of that recover mode. We've done a Senate hearing. We launched a microsite to talk about all the changes we were going to make and, and shared that all very transparently. There are still some things that we'll work through with the federal government, the DOT, Department of Transportation specifically to see, you know, they want to satisfy themselves that we have adhered to all of our customer commitments, hmm. uh, certainly. And so we'll, you know, await the outcome of that. But we've done a lot to get ready for this winter season. Our CEO likes to say that, you know, we're not going to let a week determine and, and write, write our history. And so we're ready to show people this winter that we are capable of being a reliable travel partner and work really hard to re-earn that business.
0: Yeah. Well, I know I've, you know, folks that have, were impacted by the delays, I know, that, you know they're frustrating, but I think just based on, my, you know, talking to my parents, I mean, they feel as though they were treated well. And it seems like there's brand loyalty through that. And I would think that, you know, a lot of that had to do with some of the work that you've done. So
1: I, I do think that we, you know, going into this, we had some deposits in the Goodwill Bank, certainly yeah. with our customer relationships. Now, no doubt we had some withdrawals but we tried to do everything possible to not run into the red and to begin to you know rebuild that trust and it's been through reliable operations you know we've had a good year this year we had a very busy but you know good summer despite certainly some historic storms and i think that we have proven to ourselves and to the traveling public that we can adapt with some of the things that we're seeing from climate change i think all airlines would tell you they're seeing some impact from that and that we're ready and and willing, and we're you know very excited to kind of show people that we can be a reliable travel partner this winter.
0: Yeah. So another hot topic I you know similar to ESG is around AI. So and we've actually had a few guests that have you know in, in previous episodes that have talked about this. and but you know how that is, you know or potentially or is for for companies a game changer. So I was curious, like, what? how is your team exploring ways to use AI or you're already doing it? I'm just, you know, just from your perspective as the CCO, where you think things are headed for your usage of AI?
1: From a company standpoint, we have stood up an AI council to look at what the different use cases for AI could be. There's a ton of implications if you think about, and, and AI is pretty broad too. That includes a lot of repeatable processes, automation, RPA, generative AI as an example. So there are a number of different use cases across the organization in customer service, in revenue accounting, as well as in communication. I think we're taking a very cautious approach. There is, you know, it's it's evolving as we know, you know, a lot of this was in beta on several different platforms. And so we're, you know, wanting to understand exactly how the different elements of AI work. And then what its impact could be specifically to communications. You know, I think there's an opportunity for it to be a productivity enabler. In other words, a tool that we can use. But one of the brand differentiators for Southwest is our personality, our eccentricity, our voice, quite frankly. And what we don't want to do is see that to an automated process. So I think that we would view it as a tool that we could use, like maybe, you know, edit a draft for AP style, create a graph or a table, you know, search my notes and give me a thematic analysis, show me some headline options for this news release type thing. But we wouldn't just cede control of the Southwest voice over to AI, because I think that would actually diminish some very important aspects of our brand personality.
0: Yeah. And I mean, what do you do you have any predictions about, you know, the next five years? And how it will impact the communication professionals you know role within an organization i I have your predictions you know that the impact will kind of rest on a lot of the entry-level folks or there might be some task replacement there but i yeah just interesting what your thoughts are on that and and
1: uh i think as a tool and as an enabler it will allow us to be more strategic yeah so instead of maybe having to craft content we can move into the edit space and then truly go a little bit more heads up and say are we Are we reaching our audience? Have we, has this piece that we've created meeting the needs of different stakeholders? And so I think there's an opportunity to increase our sophistication, to increase our analysis efforts, and again, use it as a tool and an enabler, but not, I I don't necessarily see it completely replacing the human being and the human element that is so important to communication function.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I I have one more question for you and we ask every guest, well, what gets you up in the morning?
1: Well, my deep answer to that is really people and relationships because when it comes down to it, you know, the work is work. But it's it's about getting to spend time with people you really enjoy. And so in both my work and professional life, I'm fortunate to get to be surrounded by some really, you know, fun, awesome, interesting people. And so it's the people in relationships. From a task orientation, I love getting up to do my Wordle every morning. I'm a Wordle fanatic. And so <laughs> uh, my morning is not complete unless I've had a cup of coffee and I have successfully managed the day's New York Times Wordle puzzle.
0: Yeah, well, it's just like my wife. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Um, well linda thank you so much for for doing this and, and speaking with me um i really really appreciate it
1: absolutely thank you for having me
0: thanks so much linda what a career and really interesting to hear Linda's insights on ESG and diversity, equity, inclusion, and you know, just working at Southwest for as many re- years as she has and just about her clearly deep expertise in communications and public relations. So thanks so much to Linda. We'll have another episode in just a couple of weeks. Thanks.